Diabetes affects 34.2 million Americans every year. Just over 1 in 10 adults have diabetes. Along with diabetes come complications in controlling blood sugar, which is very important when you're exercising. In this episode, we're going to tackle one aspect of that specifically, which is hypoglycemia or low blood sugar. Welcome back to Bushcraft Health and Wellness. Welcome to Bushcraft Health and Wellness, the podcast for anyone who spends time outdoors that wants to learn about staying healthy with wellness and preparedness. If you want to keep the high stoke, full send adventures going for years to come, you need to start with the basics because we all want to stay well, play hard, and recover fast. And I want to help you lay a good foundation through memorable stories and helpful tips. I'm Mandy, and when I'm not traveling across the country living out of my Jeep, I'm working as a nurse and planning my next adventure, and I want to share everything I know with you. In addition to new episodes every week, I also create a summary sheet with all of the main points. So check out the show notes for that, plus all of the great source materials. So buckle in and let's go. Quick disclaimer, this podcast does not replace medical advice from a doctor. You should talk to your primary care physician before making any changes to medications or treatments. This podcast also does not take the place of wilderness first aid, CPR, or any other medical training, which are recommended. I make my best attempt to be as up-to-date and accurate as possible, but I am human and make mistakes. Medical content and descriptions of sometimes gory situations may be more adult in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Initially, I wanted to title this episode Diabetes, but then I realized that it's really a lot more broad. I mean, I knew it was a lot more broad than I'm going to go over. However, for this episode, I'm really just going to focus on the hypoglycemia or low blood sugar aspect of it because I think that is a lot more common and a lot more possible in any sort of environment, especially in austere environments. Hyperglycemia is definitely possible and it's still an issue. However, this is less likely to be a problem when you're out hiking for a long period of time. Not to say it's not possible at all. It's just not usually something that you're going to see and it's something that we can definitely talk about more in a future episode. So hypoglycemia or low blood sugar is more likely to happen in an austere environment than hyperglycemia because Hyperglycemia usually builds up over a while and most instances, however not all, of diabetic ketoacidosis or HHS, which I cannot remember, it's something hyperosmolar syndrome, usually occur in individuals who are unaware that they have diabetes or those with poor control of their diabetes to begin with. There are usually also some warning signs for a while before that person actually suffers from the effects of hyperglycemia. Hypoglycemia, on the other hand, is rather acute and often intensified by a combination of things like exercise, low calorie intake, and other such things that you will encounter when you're recreating for a long period of time. These patients also tend to deteriorate rather quickly if not treated. If they become unconscious and unresponsive, then they have a lot more difficulties in the treatment area, and you should act quickly regardless. They could begin to seize once they reach this point, and that's definitely not going to make their situation better. And when I say that this progresses quickly, I mean quickly. 
one minute they are walking and everything's fine and the next they're on the ground seizing that might seem dramatic but it really isn't I went to high school with a girl who didn't feel well so she asked to go to the office and she didn't even make it all the way there she ended up having a seizure and knocking her two front teeth out on a piece of furniture that was in our media center and we have a super tiny high school like it was not that far of a way for her to make it and she was with it enough to know I'm not feeling good I need to go to the front office I need to see the nurse something like that and just in the time that it took for her to walk maybe a couple dozen feet she dropped low enough to become unresponsive and have that seizure so it really does happen so fast at the first sign that something is amiss you really need to stop and see what you can do to either assess the situation further or potentially treat it preventing hypoglycemia is a balancing act between what a person is eating when they are eating it and how much they're eating plus when they exercise and how much and when they take their medications. So that's a lot of different areas. Generally, they need to make sure that they have proper energy when their body needs it and also that they don't overshoot their goal and become hyperglycemic. However, like I mentioned, usually that's less dehabilitating in the field than hypoglycemia. Eating at consistent times with planned snacks during the time that the patient is known to struggle with lower blood sugars is the foundation to good blood sugar control. Then you're going to add in any needed medications, which are usually dosed and timed around the time of meals. And some people don't actually even need any medications and can manage with monitoring their blood sugar and food alone. But that's honestly between them and their endocrinologist. Then they need to factor in exercising and plan snacks based off, based off of their activity level. Additionally, things like being ill or injured have a high possibility of taking them on kind of a roller coaster ride with their highs and lows and they'll be a little inconsistent for a while and kind of out of their regular routine. It is pretty common for someone who's ill or injured to run a little bit higher than they would normally and I've had patients get a little aggressive with me in the hospital for attempting to give them insulin saying that they don't need it at home and they don't want it now because they don't want to backslide but it's really it's not like that it's just because your body is sick the immune system's working overtime your tissues are healing so everything is kind of metabolizing just a little bit more so your blood pressure's blood pressure blood sugar is going to run a little bit higher and you might just need a little more help than you normally do that doesn't mean that you're going to need insulin as soon as you get better or when you go home it just means we're trying to keep that number regulated as well as we can for that optimal healing what are some potential causes of hypoglycemia it can be something as simple as a change in their normal routine in regards to exercise, sleep, diet, timing of meals and snacks, and medication administration. Too few calories to maintain normal insulin levels can also cause it, as well as too much exercise compared to caloric intake and insulin level. Too much insulin compared to diet and exercise can also cause hypoglycemia, but hopefully that's not going to be as much of an issue when you're out in the wilderness, seeing as hopefully if a person is taking insulin that is short-acting, they're able to 
check their blood sugar and kind of use their sliding scale to adjust as needed. Some symptoms of low blood sugar are changes in their level of responsiveness, often very rapidly, remember. They might get a headache and have an empty stare. They could be anxious, restless, or irritable. They might have sweaty, cool skin. There is this little rhyme, I guess, that I sometimes used in nursing school to try and remember the symptoms associated with hyper versus hypoglycemia. And for hypoglycemia, it was cold and clammy needs candy. And in case you are curious, because I'm sure a lot of you are, hot and dry means sugar high, so that's hyperglycemia. They might also feel weak. Keep in mind that they can still be combative with an altered level of responsiveness. So just because somebody is kind of delirious and out of it, that doesn't mean that they are weak. They could still fight you like crazy. And it can be like baptizing a cat trying to provide treatment to someone who's just kind of out of it. They don't really know what's going on. They might not even be aware that they're fighting you. It's just kind of a response that happens in their brain. So... Don't get yourself smacked or cause more harm by chasing someone off if they are being combative. And it's also kind of hard to reason with someone who's not really in their right mind. So keep all these things in mind before you go and wrestle some old grandma who's having an issue. Okay, back to diabetic symptom, low blood sugar symptoms that is. They might also feel some numbness in their fingers and toes. This is neuropathy. They could drop into that seizure or become unresponsive. So treatment of hypoglycemia. First, you're going to do your ABCDEs. You want to maintain their airway and their breathing, especially this is important if they become unresponsive. If they are able to breathe and they can swallow, give them an oral form of sugar. So this is called the rule of 15s. I'm going to go over that particularly in just a second here once I get through the rest of the treatments. So it's going to be things like sugar water or sweetened drink with real sugar, no diet soda, hard candy or soft candy bar to suck on. It can be honey or sports gels or gummies or other candies, just something with quick sugar in it. Once you've given that quick sugar, and they should hopefully improve in about 15 minutes, give them a complex carb and protein snack to maintain that elevated blood sugar level and avoid another crash. So this is something like oatmeal, rice, granola, peanut butter and crackers, bread, milk, fruit. And keep in mind if it's dried fruit, you'll give them a little bit more. If they have an open airway and cannot swallow, then you're going to make a sugar slurry or some type of syrup or if you just have honey on hand, something like that that's kind of thick and viscous but very sweet and has that real sugar in it and rub it on their gums. Don't give enough or don't give it if it's too liquidy if they have a chance of aspirating or inhaling it or choking on it and this allows it to slowly be absorbed through their gums it's going to take a little bit longer but it is something that you can do to help move towards that point that you want to be at and remember don't do this while they are actively seizing you shouldn't be putting your fingers in anyone's mouth if they're having an active seizure and whether they are having a seizure or not do not put your fingers between their teeth because they can bite your finger off also at this point you want to place them on their side in recovery position so they don't inhale any 
liquids, whether it's those that you are trying to put in their mouth or if something comes up, you don't want it going back down. Do not give them any insulin. If they have glucose tablets or glucagon with them, you can look at the label and use those if you need. Glucose tablets are just kind of like little dried sugar tablets that they can chew on and eat for quick glucose. And glucagon is an injection that some people are prescribed if they have issues with hypoglycemia, in which case I would recommend that you read the label and hopefully if this is the case, you've had a chance to talk about them with it and you've familiarized yourself with the process a little bit and where they keep it and stuff like that. Also, since I just briefly touched on do not give them insulin, I'm going to cover this a little bit more in a second, but if they have an insulin pump, I know it's kind of counterintuitive, but just don't touch it. That is way above your skill level. It would be above my skill level as a nurse. So that's really between them and their doctor to try and figure out. Your priority is going to be getting that sugar and carb in them to try and bring their blood sugar back up. So the rule of 15s. Let's go over that real quick. This is a commonly used guideline for treatment that says to consume 15 grams of carbohydrates, then recheck their blood sugar in 15 minutes. So this is kind of assuming that you have a glucometer available, but if you don't, you can still use this, give them that 15 grams of carbohydrate, and then wait 15 minutes and kind of reassess how they feel. This isn't to say that you're just going to ignore them for those 15 minutes and then come back. Just you don't have to ask them every two minutes how they feel and just kind of monitor their vitals and their symptoms and then reassess them in 15 minutes. If you do have a glucometer though and their blood sugar is still under about 70 milligrams per deciliter, I believe that's deciliter, mg per dl, repeat the process. Once the blood sugar is over that 70 or whatever the set point agreed upon with the patient and their doctor, then they are ready to consume a more complex carbohydrate and protein to sustain that level. If their blood sugar does not increase after three rounds of this treatment, you should call for help. If you have access to a glucometer and you don't quite know how to use it, don't worry about messing around with it. Give them a piece of candy or whatever you have figured out is 15 grams of carbohydrate and just get that into their system first and then you can worry about the glucometer later because it's usually thought that having them run low and get too low is a lot more dangerous than if they're already high you giving them 15 grams of carbohydrate isn't really going to push them over that edge where it's going to cause harm so it's better to err on the side of caution and give them that carb to get their blood sugar back up so 15 grams of carbohydrate is approximately three to four pieces of candy, two to four glucose tablets if that's what they have, half a cup of regular juice or regular soda, three tablespoons of, or teaspoons, sorry, of sugar, or two teaspoons of honey. So that sugar or that honey probably make it, well the honey I guess they can just eat, but sugar maybe mix it with a little bit of water so that they aren't just eating straight up sugar. I know some people carry like little sugar packets or those little single use honey packets. 
something like that might be handy to keep on hand if they do not carry those glucose tabs or a lot of diabetics will just have non-sugar-free regular hard candy in their pocket that they carry for just these situations. So some evacuation criteria to look for. You should always have a plan if you're going out on an outdoor adventure and you're diabetic or if you will be traveling with a diabetic. Just take a minute and work out a plan, talk to each other, understand what is normal for them, what their telling symptoms might be, and what their needs and medications are. When in doubt, if a diabetic becomes unresponsive, assume it's low blood sugar and treat as such. You're going to evacuate anyone with a decreased level of consciousness or level of responsiveness that is not responding to treatment. Evacuate if the patient can't manage their blood sugars due to extreme changes in daily routine. If they're just all over the place and it's constantly a struggle, then that's a good sign that maybe you need to pack it in and it's not the time for this trip. And consider evacuation if the cause of illness is unclear. So one thing I mentioned here a second ago was to understand what is normal for them. And that is usually because low is kind of subjective. So that 70 milligrams per DL, whatever it is, is kind of a broad rule of thumb. However, I have treated patients before who normal for them is like three or 400 this is by no means healthy and it hopefully their normal is a little bit lower but since these people were kind of uncontrolled and their normal regular everyday blood sugar was quite a bit higher so that three to four hundred that means that they could be at 120 which for anyone else would be considered a normal blood sugar but they are already feeling shaky and clammy and having those hypoglycemia side effects because for them it is really low so you should always once again base everything off of the symptoms that you see and your actual assessments that you're able to make rather than just taking the numbers for what they are and deciding well that decides that I guess they're not hypoglycemic because their blood sugar is at 72 so just keep in mind this could totally be normal for them also some people might have a higher seizure level so they might have seizures for hypoglycemia a much higher level than other people would some people can get very very low before that's ever a possibility but others have just that higher threshold and you really don't want to risk it speaking of seizures let's go over a little bit of seizure care so if they have a seizure management plan that you know, just follow those guidelines first. And hopefully if this is the case and they have this plan, you've had time to talk about it beforehand and kind of go over what to do, what's expected, and how to help them. Unfortunately, though, for seizures, there really isn't much that you can do for them besides kind of standing there and watching you're gonna feel really worthless and all you can really do is make sure that they're safe during the seizure and trying to reorient and make them comfortable after the fact so don't attempt to restrain them or restrict them in any way whenever you can try and roll them on their side and that will help reduce the risk of aspiration so inhaling any sort of fluids into the lungs 
Remove them from dangers such as edges of cliffs, bodies of water, and sharp or solid objects that they might hit their head on. And if they sustained a fall, you might need to check their neurologic status, so that level of consciousness and level of responsiveness once the seizure stops and they regain their alertness. And first assist them into a sitting position before attempting to stand. They'll probably need to lay or sit down for a little while and kind of regain their bearings afterwards. If you suspect the seizure was caused by hypoglycemia, attempt to administer that sugar slurry to their gums once they stop seizing and call for rescue if you're able to. A kind of interesting little sidebar here is that your brain needs glucose to provide energy for all activities. This is not new. We already knew this. However, your brain is very specific about the level of glucose that it needs and these seizures can occur due to that severely low blood sugar level. Ironically though the seizure activity eats up a lot of glucose so once they reach the point of seizure-like activity or loss of consciousness this is now considered a medical emergency. If there's a second person around then the most most useful thing that they can do is to record the events of the seizure, things like when it started, how long it lasted, how long each phase lasts, any pauses in activity, and maybe even a description of the activity. Like I've said a couple times before, there's really no such thing as too much information, and this is kind of one of those things that we record in hospitals whenever possible. Is very useful to know if they have a seizure that goes on for many minutes that's even more of a medical emergency and that's actually getting into the point where there's a concern that they're gonna go way into the red with their blood glucose that's available because of all that seizure activity that eats it up so quickly they're also likely going to be very confused and very tired after a seizure so you want to just take it slow with them reorient them to their surroundings very slowly while reassuring them that you're there with them and that you're going to help and that everything's okay. You're then going to reassess them frequently including neurologic status, vital signs, and their blood glucose level if you have access to a glucometer. And since we're on this topic let's go over some glucometer stuff real quick. Glucometers usually consist of three main components. The glucometer, so the machine itself, the test strips, and a lancet, which is the little pokey thing, the little finger pokey thing. That being said, there's so many different kinds of glucometer and some are different than others, but the main idea is that you poke the finger to get a drop of blood, you insert a test strip into the glucometer, and then that test strip will suck up the blood droplet and give you a reading. They can sometimes be a little tricky to use depending on the timing as there's sometimes an auto shut off after a few seconds to preserve battery life and trust me even as a nurse who has done quite a few blood sugars sometimes I really struggle with this because you have to poke the finger you want to wipe off the first drop of blood just I don't know why just because it's considered the second drop is more accurate and then you want to stick the strip in the glucometer then you have to watch it and wait for it to tell you that it's ready sometimes this means that there's a flashing drop of blood that means it's waiting for the blood and then you put the strip incorrectly put the 
open end up to the drop of blood and it gets sucked up all the way. If there's not enough blood or if you don't apply it at the right time or if for whatever reason the strip just doesn't soak up enough blood, then it's not going to give you a reading. It's going to make you do everything all over again. And usually once a strip has had a little bit of blood on it, you can't use it again. You're not going to be able to get it to soak up blood again. So you'll have to get a completely new strip. So if anyone has any practice in doing this, maybe let them perform this part of it or maybe practice when you're back at home or at the vehicle with a few extra supplies so that you don't waste all of your supplies while you're out there. It's also very recommended that you wash off their finger and this is for multiple reasons. The first of which just being sanitation and cleanliness. You don't want, I know it's a very small wound, but you don't want it to get infected, especially since they are kind of immunocompromised already and their hand could be who knows how dirty at this point. Plus, if they had something, if you had honey with breakfast and they still have some of that honey on their finger and now you take their blood sugar on that exact spot, it's going to give you a wildly inaccurate reading. I remember once I was testing a patient's blood sugar after dinner and we kind of did the thing, sucked up the blood and the glucometer spit out the number high, which means that it's so high that the glucometer won't even give you a number. So I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, great. I'm going to have to call the doctor and get extra orders. I'm going to have to come back. This is such a hassle. And then I asked him what the stain on his shirt was because he had a very ominous looking dark red stain on his white t-shirt. And he's like, oh, that's just grape jelly. So I'm like, you know what, let's uh, wash your finger off with this alcohol swab and try again. So we did. We took a clean finger this time, checked it again, and his blood sugar was like 121. So super glad I didn't give him 10 plus units of insulin and have to call the doctor and do all that stuff because he probably would have crashed later. But it was definitely a good reminder to make sure that they are cleaning off their finger or that you're cleaning off the finger before you test in that spot just because you never know what's going to be on it and yes if there is that external sugar on the finger and then the bloods kind of picks it up a little bit and then it gets sucked up into the strip it's going to be a pretty inaccurate number. Glucometers are also known to potentially fail in certain conditions like high altitude, cold weather, or if they get submerged in water, which is definitely not recommended. So try and keep them warm and protected for the best results. And once again, these are pretty approximate and it really just depends on the person, but approximately a normal fasting, so before you eat, blood sugar is 70 to 105. Critically low is anything 45 to 50 or lower. And critical high is anything above 400. So just remember, these are approximations. These numbers are not hard and fast. If somebody is used to running above 400, then they might be completely unfazed by it. However, then when they get down to 99, they're going to feel like they're hypoglycemic and they have a potential to go into that seizure activity at what would be considered a normal blood sugar for you or I. 
Okay, moving on from glucometers, let's talk for a second about insulin pumps. I really, this is literally going to be a second. I don't have much to say about them other than if you are not part of their personnel care team, you should just not touch their insulin pump. If the patient is still alert, they can do this themselves. And that can also be a part of their plan with their provider. It's just better to not mess with them. These are very complicated, very finely tuned machines and it takes a while for them to get calibrated and worked out correctly so don't don't even turn it off just don't do anything with it unless a physician themselves have instructed you to do otherwise and this physician should be familiar with their normal care plan one last diabetic tech thing that i want to cover is glucagon injections talked about these very briefly it is just an emergency medication to help very low blood sugar and even though it sounds very similar to glucose it is not quite the same so don't think that they're completely interchangeable glucagon usually comes in an intramuscular injection form and it most often comes in an auto injector pen similar to an EpiPen and it is recommended that you go through training or some sort of practice with the pen before administering it you can still probably figure it out by reading the instructions on the label and or go through some sort of game plan with the person who is carrying it it's also very important to follow these instructions exactly and only take as much as prescribed by the doctor. They could have multiple doses in one pen or for whatever reason they might need more than one pen. So don't just assume that, oh yep, they just get everything. Follow the directions. Glucagon can also come in a powder form, in which case there should be a vital vital a vial of liquid to reconstitute it as well plus a syringe and a needle and once again you're going to follow the directions on the label and pay close attention to dosing especially in this case after administration of glucagon the patient should show signs of improvement in 15 minutes i'm not sure if i really stressed that enough during the rule of 15s so it's called the rule of 15s because it is if you give approximately 15 grams of a carbohydrate it should raise their blood sugar approximately 15 points within 15 minutes and when they explain it that way it's a little easier to remember why it's the rule of 15s other than just oh you just give them 15 grams of carbs okay well how the heck do I know what that is so it's just a fun little way to remember it it doesn't mean if you have 20 grams of carbs, you should try and measure it out or think about finding something else if all you have is like a cliff bar or something. Doesn't have to be exact. Carbs are carbs. You just want to avoid going over too much, which if they're pretty well controlled on a regular basis, hopefully you won't have too much of an issue with that. If you do, there might be something deeper going on that they need to be evacuated and go talk to a doctor about anyway. So just keep in mind, it's 15, 15, 15, just to try and make it kind of catchy and memorable. And that is actually it for 
hypoglycemia. So this was actually a pretty fun episode. I had a lot of fun putting it together and researching some of this stuff. Diabetes is one of those issues that, yes, it is very common and very well known within nursing, but it's also extremely complicated and complex. And there are nurses whose full-time job is to be a diabetic educator, and they still tell me that they learn something new every day. So don't feel bad if you kind of don't understand it it's okay. You can always ask for help or you can just ask for direction if you know someone who does have diabetes that is going to maybe need your assistance with something. So once again, don't forget to check out the show notes for the tip sheet and the newsletter with the reference material. Also give me a rate and review. That would be amazing. And go follow me on Insta and I will see you next week. Thanks.